Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Colin Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Team Podcast channel. I am your humble host, once conducted the now completely dead Devin Funches hype train, rom-com aficionado, said Christian McCaffrey would go a thousand, a thousand before it was cool, worshiper of Nikhil Harry and Damian Harris, truth of the married one, Pete Rogers, and I am joined on this lovely day by some of the guys. We have DK Metcalf's number one admirer, doubter of Juju and the Schuster, proponent for a line of Jon Snow hair products. You heard it here first. Resident old man Clark Barnes and El Sabatura, proud father of Quentin Nelson, WNBA hot take machine, wine connoisseur, and the man who boldly said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will make the playoffs this year, working girl Jordan Smith. Uh, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Doing great. Cool beans, cool beans, cool beans. Uh, did you guys see, this is the highlight of my day. Let me just start there. Uh, did you guys see the fact that Samuel L. Jackson is now the new voice of Alexa? I did, and I cannot wait. It's absolutely incredible i really hope that they've built it not just him being like the basic instructions but also doing his classic samuel L. jackson touch so that if you ask him some questions that he doesn't want to answer he'll tell you to shut up motherfucker and shit like that there will be i hear a um like a not safe for children setting <laughs> and a, a normal kid-friendly I- version let's say Oh, I hope that when you switch it from the normal version to the not suitable or the other way around, when you switch it from the kid version to the not suitable for work version, the first thing he, he says is, I'm sick and tired of all these motherfucking kids in the motherfucking house. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, Samuel Alexa, you're here. It got me thinking uh, which NFL players voice I'd want echoing through my home. Uh, I haven't come upon exactly who it would be, but I can tell you I do not want Russell Wilson's voice. Uh, echoing through my home. Well, who would I want instead of Samuel L. Jackson? Samuel L. Jackson is a pretty good choice. It's a pretty good flex to start with Amazon. The the thing I think of almost instantly is on Parks and Rec when Tom Haverford has the tissue box <laughs> where you pull a tissue and it says something inspirational to you. I think it'd be funny to have uh, just Aziz Ansari's voice It'd get annoying probably after like eight <laughs> hours, but it'd be hilarious. I, maybe I've said this on this podcast before. The guy who I want to narrate my life is John Mulaney. So I would love to have John Mulaney as my Alexa. I don't know why. I find his voice just very comforting and very, I just want to listen to it always and forever. I've fallen asleep multiple times watching, watching his standups on Netflix. Just, it just comforts me. When Becca's out of town, I just lie on the couch and I listen to John's sweet, melodious voice and it lulls me to sleep. John Mulaney is never out of town. (laughs) He's he's always there in my home. Clark is ready for football. Speaking of falling asleep. (laughs) 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 Whoa. 
Uh, we got some news that we're going to talk on. One thing, really. And then we got, obviously, our week four starts and sits. Uh, before we get into that, though, Melvin Gordon is back. Uh, after a very unsuccessful holdout, he has decided that no longer will he stay away from football. He is back with the Chargers. Uh, he's not supposed to play on Thursday, but he is returning to the organization. And to that, it's been real, but uh, I think it's time we have to say goodbye to Austin Eckler as a MVP fantasy player this year, which is sad. It's been great. We'll always have these three weeks. Yeah, I, I hope Melvin Gordon doesn't play on Thursday because none of the Chargers are playing on Thursday. <laughs> Sorry. Got you there. Um, anyway, yeah, it's tough to say how this uh, will actually split up the backfield duties. I think it pretty much eliminates Justin Jackson from any sort of relevance. Not that he had a whole lot before, but Austin Eckler, I kind of a bummer i don't know we'll see how that goes i mean maybe anthony lynn will just be a vindictive person and be like nah melvin no you can't this isn't how it works melvin can't do that we're just as efficient and you'll you'll play when we say you'll play yeah i think eckler retains value even if gordon returns to the kind of lead back role because that's what we saw out of eckler last year the i think the heyday of eckler is going to expire after after this week, unfortunately. Uh, quickly, Stats and Information is doing, if I can spell his name right, Austin Eckler contract. He's signed it's a, a tough three, one. Three years. He's an un, he's an undrafted uh, free agent. So he is. Uh, this is actually the best way to come into the NFL is to not get drafted because then you're not saddled with the uh, veteran negotiated go f yourself rookie deals that keep you on the same team for forever. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but yeah. uh, I think he is. I think it's uh, said a three year deal. He signed it in 2017. So quick math under my my noggin. This would be he's got one more year after this, presumably. Um, and so my my the reason I bring this up is because my one my wonder my ponder my quandary is do the Chargers stick with Austin Eckler as their primary back and you, use Melvin Gordon in a reduced role simply because Austin Eckler is under contract because Melvin Gordon is a free agent after this year question mark This is good research that I have done. Ahead I of think time. I I think the plan is to let Melvin Gordon go at the end of the year. Uh, I don't think they've made. Many overtures at, at trying to keep him. I don't think they're going to franchise tag him. They didn't want to pay him. And I think they're pretty well suited with uh, Eckler and Justin. What's his name? That escapes me. Justin Jackson. Jackson. Double J. There we go. They're just going to DeMarco Murray him. Mm. And then mm. kick him to the curb. Maybe. Leave him for all the value that he's worth. And then, I mean, okay. hey, Melvin will get a big contract out of it from some division opponent rival apparently but i wonder if uh i wonder how demarco murray feels about his name forever becoming a verb and just or is that in ad no that's a verb demarco murrayed him that's pretty awesome in a similar situation i noted katie was driving like mario andretti and how everyone knows that that just means <laughs> driving fast and she said who's mario andretti once again highlighting our slight generational gap <laughs> Uh, anyways, so Melvin Gordon's coming back. 
uh, pour some out for Austin Eckler's fantasy MVP season. But maybe uh, I think you guys are both correct. We'll still see Austin Eckler. We saw him before when uh, Gordon was the lead back in this offense. I would love as an Austin Eckler owner to see Melvin Gordon not return to a lead back status. Uh, but we shall see. We shall see. It's also a, it's got to be a humbling experience for Gordon to after seeing two running backs successfully enter a holdout and get bid contracts, then to be like, oh, got to come back on my hands and knees and not get a big contract. I don't know. There's a universe out there where Melvin Gordon gets tagged in the knee week two if he plays. And then we're talking about how great of an idea it would have been if he had held out. So hard to tell what would have happened if things had turned out differently. Uh, glad that a good football player is coming back after the Texans face the Chargers. So take that <laughs> rest of the league. Uh, excellent. Well, there you go. That's all we need to talk about that. Let's get into week Four starts and sits. Clark, we will start with you. What is a game that you are excited about, that you are planning on watching possibly, and you have starts and sits for? Okay, throwing me off on the game I'm excited to watch. I've got to go to the end of my list here. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> really excited to watch the Seahawks, Seahawks. at the Cardinals. Uh, it, it's always hard to do start and sit, so I want to propose to the community, if you have specific start and sit questions, hit us up on Twitter. Because uh, in a vacuum, it's really hard to like, you should start Russell Wilson. It's like, well, no kidding. I mean, so we want to make this interesting. So hit us up with those. I think Will Disley is an obvious start. And uh, I think someone may want to wax poetic about their love. <laughs> about it's been a good week for Jordan. Look, this has basically nothing to do with me grinding some tape or looking at some stats on Will Disley from the short amount of time that we saw him last season. It was just a, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a flyer on this tight end that nobody's paying attention to. It's it's one of those forgot about Dre moments where people forgot how pretty good he was last year when he burst onto the scene, largely from being Russell Wilson's favorite target. And oftentimes, if you're not like a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle, it just behooves you as a tight end to be your quarterback's favorite target. So. That's uh, that's something that I took stock in uh, as soon as Doug Baldwin retired as well. It was like, people are going to forget about this guy. I haven't forgotten about this guy. I'm going to go grab this guy. And they traded their other tight end away, Nick Vanette, to the Steelers. And I'm just like, they must think that Will Disley is fully ready to go. The knee isn't an issue. And I've been basking in the glory of picking up the – what is he like the number four tight end right now for virtually pennies, even if it's garbage time points, I don't care. That doesn't matter. In Touchdowns, the touchdown. The witching hour is great for all of us. Yeah. Uh, existing near Russell Wilson and being competent is great for your fantasy value. <laughs> uh, so I think Chris Carson's had a bit of a rough patch, I think against the Cardinals who could do nothing to stop uh nothing to stop the run so far this year are going to continue to do nothing to stop the run. So this is a good get right game for Carson. You're probably starting anyway, but you can do it with confidence. Uh, and I'm throwing out DK Metcalf as a viable bi-week fill-in. If you're struggling a little bit, the Cardinals uh, haven't looked great, but they have been able to move the ball and put up some points and they have absolutely allowed teams to move the ball against them. So I think you can go a little deeper with your Seahawks uh, this week. Obviously Tyler Lockett is obviously uh, for the for the Cardinals, kind of maddening with who else to start other than Kyler Murray and uh, 
David Johnson, I think Fitzgerald's a go. We're starting to get into the bye week, so you're going to have to start looking at these kind of borderline players. I think Fitzgerald's like wide receiver 15 or something, but uh, the Seahawks are no longer that vaunted defense, so he's definitely a go. I think you sit precise, and I think Christian Kirk is too much, uh, too much of a stretch this week. Just to uh, just to paint, give people a full picture of just how good Will Disley could be this week. The Cardinals' defense is currently allowing almost thirty points to opposing tight ends. They have given up the most yards, three hundred and forty-eight, and most touchdowns, five uh, to tight ends. So Will Disley has a real chance to feast. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. just the Hawkinson game. No, it was. Yeah, it is. It is every I saw a stat somewhere, which was basically the number one tight end in PPR each week or non PPR. One of the two each week has been has been whomever has faced the uh, Cardinals. So if you have Will Disley, start him with utmost confidence. So I I just want to throw out because we're talking about the Cardinals in terms of fantasy value. Um, if you're looking for, and this is just me shooting my shot after the Will Disley call, <laughs> if you're looking for like just a deep stash for somebody that you can place on your bench and might be able to come pitch relief during the bye week glut that we're going to hit pretty soon. Uh, Demir Bird for the Arizona Cardinals, he actually, um, he handled 96% of the offensive snaps for the Cardinals last week which was outpacing Larry, Larry Bird, <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Aaron Bird's Christian playing football? Kirk. Damn. And he definitely outpaced Larry Bird in that <laughs> category. But he also had uh, 18 targets. Um, he had 18 targets last week? Uh, no, There's no, sorry. Eight, 18 targets in three weeks. Sorry. Okay. 18 okay. targets in three weeks, which is still a pretty good amount over That's a good three rate. weeks for somebody who's a no-name. Um, I, I kept an eye on him and snatched him up in some dynasty leagues in the preseason just because I randomly watched Kyler Murray's like second or first preseason game. And the, the announcers were just talking about how Jameer Bird was another, was a favorite target of Kyler Murray. And I was like, Hey, Hey, why not? not? Got to get those faves. Shoes going to shoot. Uh, for the game, my first game, my first game, also talking about a receiver but I'm going to talk about a receiver group. We're going to touch on Thursday night football, Jordan's green Bay Packers going up against the Eagles. Right? No, sorry. I'm not forgetting my, all of my notes just disappeared. (laughs) What the actual fuck? Will Pete recover his notes? Will Jimmy Graham have a big game? Well, that's tune in annoying. To the to this podcast. Well, uh, all right. Okay, now I got to catch my breath and figure out where I am. <laughs> Thursday night football. Basically, the play here is the entire Packers receiving core. I think this is the game that we're going to finally see the Green Bay passing offense that we know and love, that we've wanted to see under Matt LaFleur since he's taken over. Just a just a return to the Aaron Rodgers uh, full throttle. You know game that that we're used to and uh the the eagles are 10th i think giving up most points to quarterbacks and third or fourth uh to most points to wide receivers so they haven't done a good job of stopping anyone this year 
uh, so far. So I think the Packers are going to eat. The Packers are also, it's a, it's a back-to-back, you know, it's a short week for both teams. Uh, and the Eagles are coming off of two really disappointing losses. So I could see them yet again being ill-prepared to, uh, to take on the Packers in Lambeau. Um, this is the week that Devonta, I think this is the week that uh, Devonta Adams is going to suddenly show us what we all thought he could be in this offense or, or what we know him to be, you know, this 1300 yard receiving 13 touchdown guy. Uh, that being said, I also think this is the, after this week, you sell high on him. I think that this will be the pinnacle of his mountain and you should trade him when he's at his highest and get the most value back for him because I don't think he's going to be a consistent wide receiver through the rest of the year but if you have uh, Marquez Valdez-Gantling if you have Geronimo Allison those are guys that I think you throw in your starting lineup they're just I think they're everyone's going to have a high floor uh, for this game so that's my play yeah uh, definitely just play Devonta Adams and don't worry about it the Eagles are going to be without Ronald Darby, who is their probably best cornerback at this point. But even if he was playing, they're not particularly good in the secondary. And Aaron Rodgers has said that he wants to now get Devontae Adams more involved. And he has said this before, and the very next game, Devontae Adams is getting well over double-digit targets. So when... Aaron Rodgers says he wants to get Devonte Adams involved. He's going to get Devonte Adams involved. So expect a heavy target share uh, to Devonte tomorrow, Thursday, today, when you're listening to the podcast. Sorry. I, I was checking to see if I could recover my notes. Are we done? Should I move on? I ended my rant on it. I don't know if Clark wants to add. I just need Jamal Williams to have a big game because everyone I have on my team is on by. So. Jamal Williams, the man who runs like a mermaid in the rain. Did you guys see that interview? <laughs> yeah. That was incredible. He was just there talking about uh, playing in the rain. He's like, man, I just, I feel like a mermaid out there. And everyone else is like a dog running through the rain. I just move so fluidly. And I was like, ah, oh, Jamal Williams, I apologize for anything bad that I've ever said about you because you seem like an extraordinary human, human being who should be celebrated. Uh, all right. Jordan, what's the uh, first game? <laughs> I'm very rattled by my notes just disappearing on me. <laughs> Jordan, what's the uh, what's the first game that you're talking about this week? Um, so I'm going to go with the Browns and Ravens. Um, and there's going to be a kind of a theme to my sits this week. And this sit is Baker Mayfield. Uh, that theme being I am sitting him until the Browns figure their shit out. Um, there are plenty of other QBs that could be available. Um, hopefully you drafted two that's kind of what i do just in case one doesn't work out um but the offense just looks flat out anemic and baltimore hasn't played as well as i thought they were defensively they got beat on some big plays against kansas city last week but i don't think cleveland has those kind of big plays um that kansas city can make uh unless you're talking about odell beckham taking that five-yard slant but guess what everybody in the world knows about that now so that's something that they're going to try to cap off um they're also lacking david and joku um that's been a part of the problem with the browns offense um to go along with their terrible offensive line so um since our good pal nick bodyford isn't here i'm gonna take a note from him and 
I'm going to cite Warren Sharp here for these next statistics. <laughs> uh, the Cleveland Browns in three plus wide receiver sets in 2019 have a 39% success rate, seven and a half yards per attempt, 72 rating and 9.8% sack rate and max two wide receiver sets. Uh, they have a 68% success rate, 9.9 yards per attempt, 115 rating and zero sack. So that means uh, basically having two tight ends on the field or just one tight end on the field in general. Um, but 95% of their offensive plays have been from three plus wide receiver sets in 2019. So they're not running the sets that are most successful to them. And until the Browns figure it out, Baker, plopping you on the bench right next to Rex Ryan. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I like that call because uh, I think it's, again, you're right. It's something where you play them until you see everything or you bench them until you've seen everything fixed. Uh, you don't want to just keep putting them out there when you haven't seen anything that's and we haven't seen anything that shows us that this Browns offense is going to rebound or look at all like what we thought it to be, despite the weapons that they have that not having an offensive line is truly a crushing thing uh, to negate. And I feel like hopefully GMs and people who are building teams are starting to realize that no matter how many fun toys you give a young quarterback, if they don't have the time to get the ball to them or if they get freaked out in the first quarter because they get hit 10 times and suddenly they have a clock in their head that's good you know the internal clock is going too fast and they just can't stay comfortable comfortable in the pocket and get the ball out that uh those weapons won't get used so you know make sure you have a good solid offensive line in front of them so but i like that play i like that play especially since the ravens defense which is prone to giving up big plays that front four and front seven can bring pressure and i'm sure that's what they'll be doing all game long yeah, no one's ever said the Ravens could not get pressure on a quarterback. Right. That is something they do year in and year out, which is, I don't know how, but they do. Clark, what is the second game that you were watching and talking about today? Uh, so I'm going to bring up the Panthers at the Texans, and I feel like Cam Newton being out is actually good for the rest of the offense. Yes. It's, pretty often that we see a new quarterback come in and have two or three good games before the league figures him out. So we're at that stage where we can't tell if uh, Kyle Allen is really good or if people just haven't figured what the Panthers are going to do with him yet, but that doesn't matter because this is his second game and I'm going to bet into the streak. I'm going to bet on Greg Olson having another good game playing the old trope of rookie quarterback leans on tight end. I'm going to bet on Christian McCaffrey running all over the Texans, of course, and I feel like uh, DJ Moore also, you're probably feeling pretty good about him and starting him. Uh, a kind of, I don't know if this is based on so much statistics as some <laughs> folks on the pod like to throw out there, but uh, I feel like Will Fuller is due. He's been getting seven targets, about seven targets a game. He's looked pretty good, but he hasn't been able to get deep. Uh, the Panthers let a couple of Cardinals wide receivers get behind him. Uh, and Kyler Murray was incapable of hitting these wide open receivers last week. And I think that we've seen Deshaun Watson is perfectly capable of doing that. So I think Will Fuller's still good. He hasn't lost a step and he's just been off to a slow start. So if you're a little desperate, I would throw Will Fuller in there. This also may be a little obvious, but I think that it's time to sit Duke Johnson. Uh, one might have thought there's no way that coach and GM Bill O'Brien would trade a third round pick <laughs> for a situational player, but he absolutely has. So 
very disappointed. Uh, you're going to have to sit Duke Johnson, and in a couple of weeks, we may be talking about cutting Duke Johnson. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's – if you know that – when, when that's coming from Clark, that means we're approaching the time to hit the doomsday button. Did you guys hear that? That was the sound of Nick Bodiford running to get to a mic <laughs> to defend Duke Johnson. <laughs> He's going to have something to say guys, guys, guys. next week's first pod. Guys, I, I, I oh, don't know is, if I agree with this. I just... This is, this is a pure condemnation of Bill O'Brien, not the awesomeness of Duke Johnson. Yeah. And, you so, know, it turns out Carlos Hyde isn't completely washed up, like nope. I've been saying for forever. But pretty good. You know. I love the... I, I love what Kyle Allen did to this to this Panthers offense. After, because we spent all offseason touting this offense and what they've done and the skill players that they have. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, everyone. We, I, hell. I mean, I don't want to... I mean, we all did talk about it, but I, I was just so on board with that. I, I was all about them everywhere. And Curtis Samuel, I was, everyone was going like in the ninth round, and you're like, this is the guy. You get him, and suddenly he's going to be a top 15 receiver. Just everything coming out of camp is going to be fantastic. Oh, can't wait for it. And uh, and then the whole it, – it was clear, at least through one game, it was clear that Cam Newton was was holding this offense back, that he is not right, he is not healthy, he cannot throw the ball as well as he used to. Uh, and when you put a confident – competent quarterback in there all of a sudden this offense clicks all of a sudden you know dj moore and curtis samuel are scoring touchdowns and becoming effective wide receivers you have greg olson somehow not aging at all and scoring two touchdowns so i'm very interested to watch this game and to see what kyle allen does in his in part two of his you know game two of his career um but yeah if it if it brings life to this Panthers offense. I am a hundred percent here for it. Even if it means sadly the, the end of Cam Newton's season. I like the Will Fuller nod. Um, Deshaun Watson definitely likes throwing the ball to him and he's absolutely second in the pecking order in terms of where Deshaun Watson wants to look to throw the ball. Um, if you don't follow Brandon Thorne on Twitter, he's a great uh, follow for, um, taking a look at offensive line play and just dissecting how people are doing down in the trenches. And he definitely thinks that the Laramie Tunsil, Max Sharping left side of the Texans offensive line is starting to um, starting to glue. They're starting to get a little bit more in rhythm and in sync with one another. So as uh, you know, as they start to develop and if that has cascading effects along the entire Texans offensive line, that means Deshaun Watson is going to start taking those deep shots again and Will Fuller can run very fast. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Uh, all right. The second game that I'm watching to talk about is Buffalo heading the three and and0 Buffalo bills heading to new England to play the three and and0 new England Patriots. Uh, and after we've spent all off season and the better part of this season, you know, the first part of this season touting him and saying that he never deserves to be on your bench uh, it's time to sit John Brown. He hasn't put together a great game in a while. Last week, he was no, not really anywhere to be found. And this week, he's going to get the Stefan Gilmore treatment, which means he's not going to see a target. No balls are going to go his way uh, because Gilmore is the best corner in the league right now. So he's going to be completely shut shut down and kicked out. In this situation, like I, would, like I was referencing with the Packers, if you have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, this is who, you know, you bench John Brown, you start him, you start... This is these are the kind of guys who you know I would replace with uh, would replace for John Brown. Um, 
also as a quick little another ode to nick who's not here since nick loves to do multiple starts and sits and clark is doing them too well done clark going above and beyond this guy uh sit tony uh sony michelle we talked about this on tuesday's podcast just with the news of james devlin being injured and the patriots are terrible without a fullback at running and they do have a fullback i understand but it's not james devlin who is a hall of fame full, fullback uh sony michelle hasn't been great but do start sexy rexy go get sexy rexy on your team uh and start him because sexy rexy is going eat he's been eating and he's going to keep eating i feel like the Patriots have started the season kind of like a uh, college football team has started. They've played Southwestern Minnesota Technical <laughs> College. They've played the Culinary Sisters of the Poor from Minnesota. And now they're actually playing a, a fairly good Bills team. And so I'm really excited to watch this game. I'm, it's always interesting to see, you know, what is Bill Belichick going to take away? And I think that the thing that you would take away is you're like, well, I'm going to make Josh Allen throw the ball. And then you look at the Patriots secondary and you're like, oh, crap, the Bills might be in for a long day. Uh, I have picked the Bills to win this game, just to be contrarian. Woo, saucy. Go Bills. Saucy. Yeah, but but on the flip side, too, the Bills defense is also great. So I I think this is going to be – I think this is going to be a a slugfest. I don't think you're going to see the Patriots offense be as prolific as it's been to start this season. I think this is – this could be a – you know, 17 to 13 game or a 20 to 17 game where, you know, the last touchdown comes in the fourth quarter to take the lead or, or to, you know, put the game out of reach. Yeah. The, the John Brown thing is, and I'm very excited. I'm probably going to want to have this game on a TV just because these are two of the top three defenses in the league right now. And um, John Brown, the, the part of it isn't necessarily his fault. It's not like he's having a bad year. I think, uh, I, I just had this up. Where did it go? Did your notes also disappear Stand on you? <laughs> is this no. is this just um, a technically flawed episode? John Brown ranks tenth in the NFL with at least fifteen targets on catch percentage. So he has a seventy-eight point three percent catch percentage. It's just that the Bills aren't taking the same sort of shots that they were last year. Um, that kind of is amplified by Josh Allen's. Uh, passer rating increasing i think they're just being more methodical with what josh allen is doing with the ball right now and uh so far the return hasn't been big john brown points yet uh jordan what's your second game uh my second game is going to be the chiefs and the lions probably yep chiefs and lions um (laughs) So for the Chiefs game, it's another bench. Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm benching TJ Hawkinson, the rookie who looked so very promising in week one. Um, Kansas City has been surprisingly okay against the pass. Um, They're ninth in pass DVOA right now. Um, So they aren't as uh, filled with holes as they might have been last year. And they were able to bottle up Mark Andrews pretty well last week, which was very much to my detriment um since bursting out in week one hawkinson has two catches in two games for eight yards um it's not great so i i rushed to get him off the waiver wire after week one and i was like fuck yes this is it tj gronkinson is here to take over the league and then he's done just absolutely again another player that i have had a very negative effect on i am not liking this trend it's uh it's very tough very tough look for our guy hawk because we we're very excited to have another good tight end. 
Um, but if you're going to play anybody in this, I mean, just play your Chiefs, whatever. But if you're going to play anybody from the Lions side, make sure you have Kerryon Johnson staying in your lineup. Uh, the Chiefs are dead last against the run. So if they uh, manage to hang around, they will be grinding it out with Kerryon Johnson. And I think they like using Kerryon in the uh, the passing game too. And it's amplified by the release of C.J. Anderson that they just want to put the ball in this guy's hands. I like it. The Chiefs score a ton of points, and their opponents, even when they lose, also score a lot of points. Kerryon Johnson, incredibly talented, even though I think the Lions are probably going to repeat about what they did last year. That doesn't mean you can't squeeze some good fantasy value out of this matchup. Yeah, again, a battle of 3-0 and teams. Another battle. Detroit Lions, 3-0, and undefeated. Uh, is there anything more shocking to start the NFL season than that? Who's to say? Uh, we got more starts and sits coming your way, but before we do that, we are going to take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back, and we're right back into week four starts and sits. Clark, Hit us up with your third game that you are watching and who you're starting and sitting from it. So uh, this one is going to be uh, one of those games that, you know, I hope it's not on in your market. We've got the Raiders at the Colts, and uh, we think T.Y. Hilton is probably going to miss this game. And so this begs the question of spin the wheel, which Colts wide receiver do you like the best? And I like Paris Campbell just because his skill set from college seems to match what they like to do with T.Y. Hilton the most. And so my wild ass guess of which Colts wide receiver is going to be the best is Paris Campbell. Uh, I think the real value is going to be continue to be Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. Jacoby Brissett is loving the check down and loving throwing to his tight ends. I don't see why that won't continue. Uh, you may remember from Monday's pod, I was asked a Colts question and said, I don't know. I haven't really watched the Colts, uh, but I watched all three games in preparation <laughs> for this podcast. Um, so they're looking pretty Putting good. Marlon Mack, yeah, they're looking pretty good. Marlon Mack is just an, he's just balling out. The offensive line in Indy is good and they are feeding him. Uh, he's getting some work in the passing game too. So he's a pretty obvious start, but I just wanted to mention uh, you're breaking all ties in favor of Marlon Mack. Um, Darren Waller is an obvious start here for the Raiders. We're getting a lot of tight ends out of this game. I think Ebron, Doyle, and Waller are all good starts. And I mean, the sits for this game, I mean, is, I, don't, I don't think these teams are good enough to have sits. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is everyone's mildly playable. I like the I like the progression, Clark, from going from when you were talking about 
your Will Fuller where you're like, I don't have stats to back this up, but you know, I just, I think that Will Fuller is going to, is due for a big game. And then when it comes to Paris Campbell, you've just not even pretended to even think about that. You're just like, it's a lottery and I'm picking Paris Campbell, baby. <laughs> I like it. I think skill I think, set match. Yep. This, this is a tape take <laughs> tape. Hey, and you never argue with a guy who has watched all three Colts games. Now, now you are a Colts expert Basic, in this yeah. offense. I'm Which basically li- a defensive coordinator now. <laughs> <laughs> I like the I like the Paris Campbell call because I do think eventually they need to start getting him more involved in this offense and like seeing what he can actually do when when fully released and given you know a full workload in this offense. And I think why not do it against a hapless uh, Raiders defense that looks lost at sea. Well, my next game, we got a lot of tight ends. So if you if you have TJ Hawkinson and you're like, oh, God damn it, but who do I start instead of TJ Hawkinson? And you happen to have, well, Will Disley, you can still probably go grab off waivers. Austin Hooper, you can't go get off waivers. We're finally going to touch on the Tennessee Titans as a fantasy uh, on this podcast, but not in a positive way. Sorry, Titans fans. Titans versus the Atlanta Falcons. If you got Austin Hooper, you play Austin Hooper. He's coming off of his best game in the season where he caught two touchdowns um, and the Titans are giving up the second most touchdowns to tight ends and 10th most fantasy points. He's going to keep that good energy flowing and I would lock him in for at least one touchdown this week. Um, And I would expect a good game out of Matty Ice too because Matt Ryan plays much better in Atlanta and in the Dome than he does on the road. You know, good old Dome syndrome. Uh, uh, but Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper is going to start establishing himself as a as a top fantasy tight end this week. How close are we to needing to spend fab on Ryan Tannehill if you have Mariota? Mm, good cue. Is he the best quarterback on that team? He might be. Oof. I mean, he is, but it's like naming your least <laughs> favorite finger. I mean, <laughs> what's your favorite finger? Oh, I think the old number one. Mm. What's your I'm business? right-handed, so the old <laughs> signaler. <laughs> uh, yeah, my Derrick Henry is not going to be startable this year. Take uh, not working out so great so far. But he hasn't been wildly. I mean, he had that he's, one big play. It's just it's just touchdowns. That's I mean that's what he's just yeah. But those count. Him. But they count. You they know? count. They do. It is sad. <laughs> yeah, I saw this. <laughs> I saw this take uh, during the Thursday night game last week or two weeks ago. Whenever the Titans played. Uh, I just think every game is on Thursday night. Is it? Did the Titans play on a Thursday night game? They did recently. I thought at some point. Anyways, uh, yeah, it was Titans Jaguars. That's what it was. Yeah, nailed it. Jordan uh, Gardner Minshew picked them picked them apart. Uh, but I saw a tweet that was basically just like, "Man, Corey Davis has flashes where he reminds you that he's a really good receiver just playing with a really bad quarterback." And it just made me really sad for good players in wrong, bad situations. And I know this is a, a topic that we love to touch on this podcast because we're very caring people and we want everyone to do their best and be their best. Uh, Corey Davis, I, I hope that the Titans address their quarterback position this year just for you, just so that I can overdraft you in fantasy yet again. Yeah, Corey Davis is a really good player and it's kind of a shame he's stuck in purgatory. But how many times has this happened before to some of our favorites? You know, it just you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Jordan, what's a third game that you are watching this weekend? Speaking of last Thursday, I am watching the Jacksonville Jaguars take on the Denver Broncos. Um, a start here, and this is mostly on gut instinct um, and a random comparison, but it's DJ Chark. Um, DJ Chark, because uh, I feel like 
somewhat of a counterpart in Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, in that they're both just six four burners. And last week MVS um, just torched Denver for six catches on ten targets, uh, ninety nine yards and a touchdown. Um, the Denver Broncos defense has not been extra juicy. Um, just to kind of relieve some of the pain for some of those Denver Bronco fans out there. Uh, it takes time for Fangio's defense for the players to really learn it. The Bears were good last year because uh, basically Khalil Mack was a skeleton key to unlocking the entire thing. And Khalil Mack doesn't really have to learn that much because he's just a superhuman freak that you put wherever and tell him to do something and he does it. Um, since Fangio joined the Bears in 2015, going through 2018, their defense ranked um, by points 20th, then 24th, 9th, and then 1st last year. So it'll take some time. And in the meantime, since the team overall looks anemic, just Look for that person to start against Denver, and you'll be grateful. Yeah, Denver, just give it three or four years. It'll be okay. I agree with the DJ Chark start because he's awesome. He's had a touchdown in his first three games uh, this year, so that's uh, with the fabulous Gardner issue mostly. But I think he's an absolute start. I think he and another – well, I know DJ's not a rookie, but he and another young wide receiver that we might preview in the next game – uh, are proving to us that they are good and you should start them. Yeah. No, I think DJ Chark is basically a must start anytime the Jaguars play until he shows us that he's not going to put forward 80 yards in a touchdown. Uh, Jordan just exhibited one of the most like upsetting aspects of a Green Bay Packers fan that I've ever experienced. Becca and I a long time ago went to the Patriots Packers game in Lambeau that was like whatever four or five years ago, four years ago, probably now. Um, and the Packers won. And after the game, I was, of course, not pleased and was, you know, agitated. And this Packers, random Packers fan, was just saw me in a Pat's jersey and was like, hey, man, good game. We'll see you in February. Uh, and I was just like, God damn it, man. I can't be angry at these people. They're so genuine and so nice after, after a, you know, beating my team. And just right there, Jordan's like, hey, man, the Broncos are coming off of a loss to the Packers. But, hey, chins up, Broncos fans. Your defense, it takes a little bit of time, but it's going to be great. And you just stay in there for the long haul, and you got it, you guys. So Packers fans, are, are you guys are too nice. Too nice. It's weird. Cut it out. Breaking news. The way to irritate people from Boston is to be kind. Oh, wait, we do not like it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes us feel very uncomfortable when people are nice to us. <laughs> Honestly, going to some games and just sometimes being around the general vicinity, it's just, it's hard when you, for Packers fans, when you're just like, oh yeah, we crushed you, whatever. But then we're just like, oh, wow. You know what? We, you did your best. You did. We're sorry. You guys are too, you guys are too nice. Talk hella shit on Twitter though. What? Get at us. Uh, Clark, last game that you were paying attention to this week and starts and sits. So we're going in the total reverse order of interestingness here. I think this, this is, is breaking the least interesting game. Yeah. Uh, so we have the Washington football team against the Giants. This one, not, one actually might be fun to watch, even though the level of play might not be great. 
I think uh, for Washington, some pretty obvious starts are you're starting Terry McLaurin, who turns out is amazing, and Adrian Peterson, who's going to be able to run on the Giants all day. I think this is going to be a competitive game, so I think there'll be good balance, and you're going to want that Washington running back not named Chris Thompson. Uh, and this is probably not shocking at all, but you should bet into the Daniel Jones streak. He looked really good. Uh, he may not be good, but we're probably going to get three good games out of him. So bet into that. Uh, Evan uh, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, and uh, Darius Slayton. Again, bet into the streak. Uh, these are people that if you're desperate or if you have to fill in for the buy, go ahead and pick these guys up. I know they just had a big game. Uh, but go ahead and count on that again. Daniel Jones is doing some weird things that defenses aren't accounting for, and it's leading to some great fantasy points. I think Washington will keep it competitive, uh, and this will be an ugly, fun game. That's exactly what it'll be. I got Sterling Shepard off waivers, and I am benching John Brown for him. So there is a perfect culmination of our starts and sits, Clark. I'm buying, I mean, you, and I think you nailed it. You nailed it right on the head, is that, when a quarterback comes in, oftentimes you'll see there's like a two to three game window where they look great. And then defenses start getting tape on them and they start figuring out how to shut them down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe Daniel Jones is the real effing deal and the Giants are Dave Gettleman deserves our praise uh, since we all ragged on him for taking him sixth overall in the draft. But at the very least, I would expect another great performance from him this week, especially against a Washington defense that is absolutely garbage i mean just giving away points to wide receivers for free so i'm sterling shepherd i think is a great play and terry mclaurin man talk about your another undrafted rookie who is just killing the league and tearing it apart that man is good you mean undrafted by fantasy standards or oh i guess he was taken in the third round wasn't he <laughs> but, I, I don't mean, know why i had undrafted in my... fantasy yeah, yeah yeah that's what i meant definitely what i meant how did we miss on him being like the best rookie receiver in this class? I mean, Hollywood is pretty good and he's been doing quite well, but this guy is just, he is proven. He should have been a first rounder. So as much time as we like to spend talking about the draft, you'll hear even the experts say how, what an inexact science the draft is meaning in basketball, you got a pretty good idea that like the top five to 10 players are going to be good and the next 10 to 20 are going to be good supporting players. The NFL draft, it's not a complete crapshoot, but whatever is right next to that on the scale is, is what the NFL draft is. Uh, one note, because I did two minutes of research for the pod and I want to bring it up. Darius Slayton, sub 4440, 6'1 guy. So may not be a fluke here in new york may actually they may have actually drafted a gem there wow maybe this is the new recipe for like an all-star receiver six three plus and runs a four four or under it'll I mean, never work isn't that julio jones in a nutshell <laughs> basically basically you're just drafting julio every time uh yeah no this this is as garbage as these two teams are it's i really hope and this could bite me in the ass but like I, I kind of hope that this is one of those games that's like actually really good and exciting because both teams are so bad that they're like on each other's level, and so it's just you know a shit show all the way, and you never, don't know who's going to win, and it's exciting and fun. It's also a divisional game, so Landon Collins is probably going to have an fu game and try to try to put the hurt on on motherfucking Jones. Yeah, yeah, Collins already a hard hitter. 
didn't yeah. end well in New York. So that's uh, Daniel Jones might, might die this game. Damn revenge game. Uh, quick update on my, uh, well, they're no longer the Washington Redskins, the London Monarchs franchise. We've officially moved to London. The Washington Redskins no longer exist in the NFL. Um, and we are about to start our second season. We're doing great. We, uh, we drafted a wide receiver. We got uh, some defensive help. So just we'll keep in touch. And I'll keep you guys involved and, and up to date with what's going on in the franchise. Tua fell to fourth overall to the Denver Broncos. So great get by Denver to get Tua over there because Miami didn't decide that they wanted Tua despite the fact that they're tanking for the number one pick. But uh, anyways, just a little update. A little update from London about the uh, London Monarchs. You're welcome, everyone. How tall is Tua? How tall? <laughs> <laughs> Does he fit John, the John Elway uh, profile? It's got to be six. Is he six or five or taller? <laughs> I have no idea how tall two is. He definitely would not fit the John. I don't feel like he would fit the John Elway profile. All right, we got two more games to talk about. We're gonna hit on them. Uh, my last game: Tampa Bay versus the Los Angeles Rams. And my play for this game is: I'm going to say, even though he's coming off of a massive game where he proved everyone that he's exceptional at football. Uh, sit Mike Evans this week and there are degrees with sits obviously don't bench him for just like the bottom of your you know bottom of your bench and you're like well Pete said to bench Mike Evans so I'm going to put him on my bench and blah 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 but I'm going to confidently say that he won't be a wide receiver 20 this week uh, that he won't be in the top 20 wide receiver all those guys who Clark mentioned Sterling Shepard Terry McLaurin Evan Ingram's a tight end so maybe not him but I would start them over Mike Evans this week. The Rams still haven't allowed a passing touchdown. Uh, and I, I keep to leave is playing some of the best football uh, right now. And I just also feel more so than anything, the Bucks offense is just not going to have time to look downfield. James is going to be constantly under pressure from Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler, who's been playing out of his mind to start this season, constantly getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, so I don't have faith that they're going to be able to rekindle or, or, or re redemonstrate redo the success that they had against the Giants, who are a trash, trash defense. So Mike Evans, not a top 20 receiver this year. If you've got someone who you've got more confidence or has a better matchup, you can you can uh, switch the two out. It's such a fire I, take. I no don't man. condone your take on you Mike don't? Evans. Thank you. I need him to do well, so you're wrong. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Very I scientific on the podcast. I understand. Hey, man. Speaking of things into existence is a staple of this podcast. So if you need to speak Mike Evans games into existence, I, I'm totally here for that. I respect it. No, it's a good call. Even though uh, it's been really up and down for Mike Evans, one of the consistent things that the, Buc the Buccaneers have shown is that they cannot protect Jameis Winston. And even when they do, he feels that they're not. Uh, and he is full on crazy legs running for his life in the pocket. Uh, and that's been against bad teams. So, oh boy, it could get bad against the Rams. Yeah. I mean, if Aaron Donald gets like two, three hits on him and Dante Fowler has like one or two off the edge, I could see Jameis just having a PTSD and not being able to throw the football anywhere. I don't know who this was, and I know that this isn't important, but uh, someone posted a picture or a, a short video of a pug running around senselessly on a couch and said it looked like Jameis Winston in the pocket. And that was just the funniest thing in the world. So, <laughs> All right, Jordan, wrap us up. Uh, last game that you're watching this week. Um, so taking a look at New Orleans and Dallas, this is probably going to be the 
most fun and probably one of the most consequential games of the week. Uh, start Dak Prescott. Um, I know that some people might be waiting for uh, his slippers to fall off and that carriage to turn back into a pumpkin. But uh, with Kellen Moore running the offense now, he has 10 touchdowns in three weeks. Um, one of those, I believe it's just one of those, is on the ground rushing. So uh, that's more points if you're in one of those, or if you play the right way and have passing touchdowns equal four points. Um, New Orleans is 28th in passing DVOA. And I just to expand on the Stark start Dak Prescott bit is that he has some tough defenses coming up. He's got a game against Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, New England, but he is just officially in. If he doesn't have a buy, you start him. Like that is that is the way I would treat it. If I had invested any stock in Dak Prescott, but guess who didn't? This guy. <laughs> But so my advice guy. to you is to just start him. <laughs> I accidentally got forced into drafting Dak Prescott as like the QB 18, and I could not be happier with my mistake. It's a pretty good mistake to make. That's the way it be sometimes. I also think that obviously you're not going to ever bench Amari Cooper, but I do think that this could be a Randall Cobb game. Uh, the Saints, not only are they giving up a bunch of points to uh, quarterbacks, they're also third, giving up the most points to wide receivers. So I think just basically we've seen this offense eat, and I think we've seen the Cowboys offense. Let me let me make sure I'm using my pronouns, referencing. Uh, and that if you have Cobb, or even if you have Devin Smith, I think he's maybe a little riskier since we didn't see that much from him against Miami as much as we thought. But I think Randall Cobb is another confident start this week. Yeah, they were a little spotty against Miami last week. I was actually pretty excited because I thought Rosen was going to beat them, uh, which would have been great for my branding. But I think they might have just been looking forward to the New Orleans game and yeah. just not really putting their entire focus on Miami. So, Which is fair. Teams teams will yeah. often overlook, <laughs> often overlook histor- the historically worst team in NFL history. I feel like that's a Classic fair. trap game. <laughs> It's going to be uh, it's going to be a true dishonor whatever team loses to Miami this year. If there is a team, if there is a team that loses to Miami, that is going to go down as the worst loss in that team's history. Unless it's the Patriots because the worst loss in the Patriots history was the 2007 Super Bowl. So, well, Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there you go. There's your week four starts and sits. Uh, before we go, though, let's quickly Thursday night football Eagles versus the pack. We're going to have a little party here in our house so that Becky can uh, show all of her new law school friends just how crazy and psychotic she gets when the Packers are playing. But we'll quickly let's pick it. Uh, Clark, we'll start with you. Clark, who's going to win Thursday night football? Uh, hopefully I'm picking the team that I didn't pick and our staff pick them. I'm going to say the Eagles. Jordan, you have a rebuttal. Bad choice. (laughs) No, I'm going to pick, I I have a feeling this is just going to be an ugly game because the Eagles are fairly injured and I don't necessarily think the Packers offense is rolling just yet. And four days turnaround is just not great. I'm still going to take the Packers. Yeah, I'm going to take the pack too. I just think, I think that the four game turnaround often favors the home team. The Eagles are so injured and so banked up that I am going to have a hard time seeing them keeping up with a, a healthy 
Packers offense and and a Packers defense, man. Their run defense. Ooh, I didn't. Did I mention this? No, I didn't because my notes fucking died on me. That's why. Uh, this might be a Miles Sanders week, you guys. The Packers secondary has been phenomenal, but their run defense has been less than stellar, and they're giving up a lot of points to uh, to fantasy running backs. So this uh, this could be a Miles Sanders week, which I am hoping it does because I need him to finally break out and show Philly that that he needs to be their starting back and get all their touches. But we'll see. Uh, but I still think the Pack win. By contrast, I might bench Miles Sanders this week. <laughs> Just because I don't think the Eagles have been running the ball well just generally so it's fair it's fair but against a, a defense as bad at stopping the run as the Packers I mean anyone could run on that defense Jordan anyone literally anyone name hey, you know what they they had a bad game against Minnesota because they're like we are going to make Kirk Cousins beat us and he didn't so if uh if they feel like they want to make Carson Wentz beat them which I don't think they do then they'll they'll key in. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there you go. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast from. Subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast channel. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whole nine yards. We are there. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Like Clark said at the top of the show, if you've got start and sit questions, hit us up with them. We're happy to answer them and we'll give you our best advice. We will look at stats some of the times other times it's just going to be gut reaction and you often have to just trust your gut you can't say no to it uh follow myself on twitter at pete m rogers follow clark at nfl clark follow jordan at jordan underscore smith 27 we will be back at you guys next week enjoy your week four good luck to everyone until then <laughs>